Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. The Kings of Sport present the Spinning Black Fist Podcast with your hosts, Chinyere Okafor and 10-Day Ray Williams. Hey, 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 it's your man Raimondo Williams along with Chi Chi, the one and only. And we're back with another edition, another installment of the Spinning Black Fist podcast. It's good to be back, back here. Happy 2024 to you all. I know a lot of people, they said this deep into the month, like we're almost through one month already, but happy new year. Happy so long as we haven't seen you guys, we haven't spoken to you guys, it's still Happy New Year, okay? <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, we got a lot to cover on the show today. We got a lot to cover. There's been an announcement for the UFC Hall of Fame class. We're also going to get it into some PFL versus Bellator, and we're also going to get into any other happenings within the MMA world. But of course, we have to start off with UFC 297, which took place on Saturday, this past Saturday in beautiful, was it Montreal? Toronto. Toronto, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Yes, indeed, indeed. Where we had our UFC middleweight championship being defended, the champion, Sean Strickland versus South Africa's own Drickus Duplessis. And we also had in the co-main event, Rocky Pennington versus Myra Bono Silva for the vacant UFC Bantamweight Championship. So let's go ahead. Let's start right on with the main event. And I know my esteemed co-host, the maestro, she has some biased opinions <laughs> and she also has some some great knowledge into what ended up happening so go ahead take the floor oh well we'll go ahead and state the result if you don't already know Drickus Duplessis went on to defeat Sean Strickland via not unanimous but split decision it was a very mm-hmm. very close fight but it was a split decision and ends up becoming the new UFC middleweight champion. So, Janae, I'll let you take the floor. As a fellow South African with the first ever South African UFC champion, how do you feel? How do you think this affects African MMA as a whole? So, first of all, I was happy. I was excited (laughs) for this fight because either way, win or lose, this was history in the making right here. You know, this is the closest that a South African has gotten to winning a title. And so it was a big deal. It was a very, very big deal. Our main broadcaster, sports broadcaster here is called Supersport. And they were going to broadcast the fight in English, Isikosa, and Afrikaans. So those are three of the main languages here in the country. And 
wow, it was just great. It was just great. It was like, there was just a, a nice feeling. And, you know, coming from a country that's always winning, all we do is win. We've been winning. We have been having our foot on everyone's necks since last year, from, you know, the Rugby World Cup to some beekeeping competition to mm-hmm. whatever, you know. South Africa's just coming out on top. And so we were just, like, ready for it. And we were like, let's go, you know. Like, bring the championship home. We're ready for a champion. And about two weeks or three weeks ago, I actually wrote an article for Fanside at MMA where I was talking about, like, the first South African-born UFC champion. And, you know, in the article, I was just writing that, you know, unfortunately at this time, South Africa has not had a champion yet. But that could change. And, oh, my word, it did change. Split decision, as you said. Very, very, very narrow. It was so scary. Like, I was on the edge of my seat. Everyone mm. was on the edge of their seats. Everyone was just like, oh, my God. Like, please, just trick us, do it for us. This is probably, like, our one shot <laughs> at getting a championship here. And he did it. We we were so proud. I think you saw even, like, on the broadcast, on the UFC broadcast, they were showing, like, the, you know, the people who are watching. And mm. if you actually look closely there, there's a few of the EFC fighters, some of the, the best mm. African fighters that we've got here on the continent. And including, like, the, the EFC bantamweight champion, was literally right there. He was front and center right there. He was watching. You know, everyone was there. EFC's ring announcer was there. The vibes were high. And we were just so excited. And I was just telling you, like, off camera, how this is not even just only a big deal for Drickers and for the Team CIT camp, but it's a big deal for the entire nation of South Africa, right? Mm -hmm. It's a big deal for the entire MMA community, especially here in the South African nation, because now they see that it is possible. You know, whenever one person leads the path, it becomes clear. Everyone else is like, okay, I can make it. I can get there. And that's exactly what Drickus's win did. Yeah, I'm hoping that people learn how to pronounce his name properly now since, you know, he's the champion and all of that. But luckily, Ray, you pronounce it, you pronounce it perfectly. But I've heard a lot of weird pronunciations of his name. Let me put it like that. But, <laughs> but yeah, man, it's just been great. We're still buzzing from it. We're living our best lives. People were already drunk at 10 a.m. because the fight happened at 8 a.m. this side. So mm. it was a great end to our weekend, honestly. So <laughs> Danko, because Danko is what we're going to say. Nice, nice. Danko. That is, did I get it? Yeah. <laughs> that's, like right. a, that's like a way of saying thank you, but like in like slang type of vibe. Got you, yeah. got you. Well, congrats to DDP. Again, if you can't pronounce it, just say DDP. If you're a pro wrestling fan, you, that, that'll be easier for you. So, exactly. um, well, I'll also stay on Drickus for right now. Now that he has won a championship, he had his post-fight interview and he did call out another African, not, not necessarily a South African, but we got a Nigerian who's Possibly waiting waiting in the wings or still trying to get his stuff together in Israel mm-hmm. Adesanya. So what do you think? Uh, what do you think would be next for Drickus? Do you think we get that fight that they were saying? And I believe Israel said as a response on Twitter that it was destined for them to cross paths. So do you think that that happens sooner than later? Do you think that there's going to be a rematch with Sean Strickland? Do you think possibly, I know people were talking about our guy from Hazma Kamzat Shemaev. People were throwing him in there as well. Or if there's another contender that's waiting in the wings, what do you think is next for your fellow South Africa? 
South African brethren? I think, I think Sean, okay, I think Hamza needs to first wait a second, right? We, we have a lot to deal with right now. Strickland would be right. To, I, I believe he would be right to challenge for like a rematch because that fight was so close. Mm-hmm. It was so close. I know some people are saying it's a robbery, but I don't think it was a robbery, right? But I do think it was very, very close. It could have gone any, either way. Like mm. that final round was the determining factor there. But I think, I feel like I want the, Drick- the Drickers versus Israel fight next right? And maybe I am being biased. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know, guys. But that is the fight that I do want. And I've been wanting UFC to come over to the African continent. I've been. And I feel like if that fight happens, that's the one that could come here. So I'm ready for it. I know people are talking about it happening at UFC 300. I get it. You know, UFC 300 is a big card and that's a big fight and the story is built in. They could finish the story. But (laughs) but, no. I would rather they come here. I want them to come here. And yes, that is me just being selfish, I guess, you know? <laughs> mm. So, well, yeah, not... but I don't know, Ray. What, what do you think, though? Do you think Drickus is, do you think Drickus's next opponent should be Israel or who? Well, I, I think that, I think that we don't, we still don't know what Israel's headspace is right now. I know he's had the issues with the DUIs, recently yeah. that came up so i think he, he's still got to work through those issues i think if he feels that he's ready and his camp feels that he's ready to come back then i would more i would be more than happy to see israel get that shot against Drickis, especially with all the back and forth that was going on between them prior like this fight was supposed to have been scheduled like six, eight months ago, like a year ago. Mm-hmm. But with Drick is getting heard, and then that's when Sean Strickland had to step in. So I, I, I feel that I think that would be the big money fight. However, mm-hmm. I do think that Sean Strickland, outside comments aside, which we'll get to, I think he's deserved a chance, especially, like you said, that fight was so close. The the numbers were so close. I think Strickland outlanded Drickis. I think it was around 170 to around 140. Drickis was landing those leg kicks. Drickis was able to mix it up with the clinch and with the takedowns. Yeah. But Strickland was just pinpointing that jab to precision to the point is where Drickis was just swelling up. So I, I, I think that. I think that that fight would be a good one to have. The thing is, though, it it, it kind of like how is if we have that rematch, like how are they going to go about with the pre-fight hype now? Because it seems True. like you had the <laughs> you had the beef where where they were kind of in the crowd and then they fighting each other in the crowd and then they talking about each other in a like post or in the press conferences, but now they're like all lovey-dovey. They see each other, they're mm-hmm. hugging, they're dapping each other up. And then they're like, oh, well, we have respect for each other, but we're going to fight to the death. Well, I was like, no one's no one's ever going to fight to the death in years. <laughs> they're not going to let that happen. It's not anymore. But, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's like, how are they now that like issues have kind of been smoothed over? How are they going to respond now with the fight if they do 
have a rematch? How are they going to respond with the pre-fight hype now? Are they going to go to Strickland who's saying, hey, he barely beat me. I should have won. Half of the people are saying that I should have won anyway. I'm going Mm -hmm. back and I'm getting my title back. Uh, Is it going to be Drickis who's saying, hey, I beat you fair and square. Strickland is like, oh, but you didn't knock me out. You didn't take me out. You didn't kill Mm. me. We said fight to the death. (laughs) But but it'll be interesting to see how they would get that hype back on that fight and how they can heat that back up. I think it would be relatively easy, though. What about you? What say you? I think it would be relatively easy. And see, this is the part where it shows that we are wrestling fans because, you know, we care about the story. You know, the story is more with, you know, Izzy and Drickers. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to MMA, things are very straight to the point. You know, like, yeah, a rematch makes sense. So that's what's going to happen next. And you heard Dana in the, the post-event press conference saying that he f- he believes that a challenger needs to take the title away from the champion. So he can't mm. just slap by. He kind of mm-hmm. has to actually go for it and go and like, you know, make sure that he secures that victory. So I I can definitely see them doing it. And I don't know. I don't know if there would be some trash talking or would it be like another situation where we had remember when we had Dustin Poirier going up against Conor McGregor and Conor McGregor was so nice to him and yeah. he was so awkward. Whether it's mm-hmm. going to be one of those situations or, you know, but I feel like Drake is going to have a bit more bragging rights because now he's the champion. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. yeah. But also, if Sean Strickland is going to be the, the, the one to, to go up against DDP next, it's cool. So long as they do it where? Here, on the African continent. You know, it's <laughs> got to be in Africa. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I initially, that's when when we had recorded the first episode, like, my mind was already in the place of, well, they're having a fight. Like, I thought they were initially having the DDP Strickland fight in Africa. So I was already of the mind of, oh, it's it's going to be horrible for Strickland having to go down to Africa. But I didn't <laughs> realize it was in Canada. So it's like, yeah. But yeah, it, it would be a great, it would be a great environment, especially with, again, you know, there's only been, so, but so many African champions. We talked about it on the last episode. We talked about Francis. We talked about Israel. We talked about our guy Kamaru. But yeah, it's only been a few African champions. So it, it would be good to actually have an event in Africa. Mm. I, I would be amazed to see it. Like, I, I don't know if I could get out there, but <laughs> I, I, I'd be amazed to at least witness it from afar. So. Um, yeah. As we put that to a close, we're gonna keep it in the octagon for now, and then we'll we'll talk about some outside octagon happenings from 297 as well. But we'll keep it in the octagon. Rocky Raquel Pennington finally, after 13 years, after going through the Ultimate Fighter with Ronda Rousey and with Misha Tate, finally mm. becoming a world champion defeating Myra Bono Silva by unanimous decision. How do you feel about Rocky finally taking her place as a champion? Do you think that it's legit or do you think it's just a transition on from Amanda Nunes? I'll just start it off by saying this, and this is no shade, but when I was watching that fight, I couldn't help but miss Amanda Nunes to the max. Like I was like, oh, you can feel that there's a vacuum 
in not even just the women's bantamweight division, but just in the entire women's division. I think a lot of people look down on the women's divisions, be it in wrestling, be it in any sport, especially though when it comes to MMA. Women's divisions are not really as hailed as perhaps the men's divisions, right? And I feel like Amanda Nunes brought a legitimacy to the women's division, right? Like they would put on a fight. And if Amanda Nunes is fighting, you are going to watch because you know it's going to be a banger. Mm. So I felt the vacuum, definitely. Definitely very proud of the two ladies for going out there and doing their thing. I watched the, the pre-event press conference and wow, they were they were heated. They were the most heated exchange mm-hmm. in that whole press conference, you know. So mm-hmm. I got heated also and I was like, let's go, you know. Because <laughs> I think a lot of us actually kind of might have kind of put it in the back of our minds that there was actually another title fight, which was the women's bantamweight title. But, you know, Raquel winning that title, that was great. I don't, oh my God, I didn't enjoy the last 30 seconds or so of that fight though, when Myra was just on the floor and like she had her hands, her hands behind, you know, her head and she's just mm. on the canvas. I was like, oh no, oh, this is bad. Like, this is not a good look for MMA. This is not a good look for women's MMA. But, you know, she, she achieved it, Raquel, that is. Raquel achieved her, her dream, her goal. And I'm, I'm just hoping that we, we get a proper, leader for that division you know someone who's gonna carry on from amanda nunes otherwise i wouldn't be shocked if the lioness decides to you know make a return mm, rise again and hunt again yeah <laughs> we'll see we'll see and of course juliana pena is also waiting in the wings as well and this was another one in the last episode where I was kind of having trouble with identifying different things. Like when we were talking about who, who would step up within the Bantamweight division, it was actually kind of blank in my mind. And I actually didn't even know at that point that this fight was going to be happening for the vacant championship. So yeah, it's good to see Raquel Pennington through all the hard work, through all the trials and tribulations she's been through so much with, her being another knot or being one of the notches in the belt of Amanda Nunez to the point at which mm. I believe up to the f- fourth round of that fight, people were just begging her corner to stop it. Like, <laughs> just like she's, she's, she's been through enough. She's is just like <laughs> the lioness was mauling her at that point. And to the point where she had like such a setback with the knee injury to the point that she was questioning whether or not to fight again. And now to rise up to this moment, even in the press conference, the post-fight press conference, mentioning that the day of 297, like the morning she woke up, that she was- She wasn't feeling well. Exactly. She she was feeling like she wasn't ready for it, that she didn't deserve it. But then she said she just had to get into that champion mindset. So proud to, after all the hard work that she's put, put in and I, I actually and I have a funny story but I actually was tuning in to her season that that first season that included women within the ultimate fighter and I actually it was February of 2014 and I actually yeah. went down to Vegas because it was supposed to have been that I think that was supposed to have been the fight between Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate, I believe Misha Tate had gotten hurt. And so Sarah McCann ended up stepping in. And then yep. there was also the fight 
which DC Daniel Cormier was supposed to fight Rashad Evans, but Rashad Evans got hurt. So they had to put in Patrick Cummings. So I ended up going to that fight. I actually wanted to see because I was a fan of Rashad Evans. That was the only reason I went down there. And then he got out of the fight. And I was like, oh, I'm just stuck here now. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so fast forward, we get to the night of the fight. And of course, the women and I believe the men from the Ultimate Fighter show were there and they were just like in the crowd and they were also in the backstage or not backstage, but they were kind of like making their way around the arena. And this is just like the two opposite personalities that these folks are. I see Rocky, Raquel Pennington. She's just shaking hands, talking to people, just having fun, interacting with the fans. And then at the corner of my eye, I look over, I see this woman, like hoodie, strapped down, glasses on. I'm like, wait a minute, I, I recognize you. Wait a minute. <laughs> like, I didn't say it out loud, but I'm like, wait a minute, this is um Roxanne Modafferi. You were on the show. Yeah. And then I point to her, and then she looks back at me like. And she, <laughs> Don't say nothing. <laughs> exactly. Finger to the lip. And then just leaves all into like the darkness. So it just tells you about those two personalities that Rocky was so personable, but then Roxanne, she's a good person and she has a lovely personality, but she just likes to be like off to herself, (laughs) low key. Yeah. So it was just interesting. Again, 2014, like such a, such a long time ago. And now for her to get to this point, now that I think, man, Time She's worried that ad, yeah. That that ad that that math is math, and I was like, 10 years, it's been that long, but yeah, she has worked and she deserves every moment of this. Like you said, the yeah. fight may have not been as desirable as people wanted, but she put in the work, and no one can tell her that she doesn't deserve to be a champion. Definitely. So, mm-hmm. Do you think Amanda Nunez is gonna come from retirement though? Oh, Do you think so? I don't think so. I, I I think she she might be I think she might be just too focused on her family, enjoying her time with Nina, enjoying her time with their child. So but who knows? Who knows? She might catch that itch, especially <laughs> even though even though there is a bantamweight champion now, who knows what they're gonna yeah. do with the featherweight championship if they I think they said they scrapped it completely. Have they? Like officially? Yeah. I think okay. so because it's not that even on the sense. on the listing of the website. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. but at I, least at least in MMA, when people retire, they actually retire. Unlike that other sport that we like, <laughs> where uh, <laughs> someone retires like five times throughout their career. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> they're like sixty-five years old. We're, I'm coming back. I'm like, oh no! <laughs> You're like, please, no. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, it's good to see Rocky rise to the top. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I I think again, this is just me looking from afar. I think Amanda might be content with with retirement right now, but who knows? Mm-hmm. You never said never. And it's not like she took a lot of damage in her her career, like say some of the other past champions that we know of, someone that we might be getting to as far as making the Hall of Fame. Like those fighters have taken a lot of damage. Like her, yeah. she was so dominant. And even in close fights, it wasn't as if she was taking a lot of damage. 
mm. in those fights. So I, I think it, it's a possibility. I'll never say never. And you know what, Ne? I think you're actually right because Amanda Nunes did end her career in a very perfect manner. And, mm-hmm. you know, like after you've ended it like that, you, you're probably content and you're like, you know what? I don't need to come back and prove nothing to nobody. You know, exactly. I've been waiting around and no one's been able to beat me. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like a George St. Pierre where it's like, like I've wiped the floor with just about everybody. And even the people that have beaten me, I've avenged those losses. And now yep. there's nothing really for me to come back to. So we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see. And we were just talking about how the image of women fighting kind of rubs some people the wrong way. Let's go ahead and use that into a transition of a fighter who who actually did say that, but that was the least controversial thing <laughs> that he said when he doesn't, I believe it was to the effect of, I don't like watching kittens fight. I want to see lions fight. And that's pretty ironic when you had the lioness who was a champion and she was just destroying folks. But anyway, <laughs> let's get on to the... Yeah. Let's, get, else. let's get on to the former middleweight champion of the world, Sean Strickland. So unless you've been living under a rock, if you've been following MMA closely, you have been hearing about some of the comments that he made pre-fight in regards to some in prior comments that he made, just readdressing prior comments that he made about the LGBTQ plus community. He doubled down. He pretty much doubled down to the point of possible and not even just possible, but definite hate speech. When you say that something, if you say that a group of humans are quote, an infection end quote. Yeah. That's going to really rub a lot of people the wrong way. What do you think, Chi-Chi? I know we were talking before we started recording and just the toxicity of the sport, like in the effect that this had nothing to do with promotion of the fight, and yet he still doubled down. Do you think this is a good look for the UFC? Do you think this is a good look? I think we know the obvious answer, but I want you to go ahead and get your thoughts off. Yeah, no, it's not a good look at Mm -hmm. all. It's not a good look at all. I I was talking to my partner about this yesterday, mm-hmm. actually, right? Because, you know, now we're just reeling from everything that has happened and all of that. And in the, pre- in the post-fight press conference, Dana said something along the lines of Raquel and Myra, right? They, they mm-hmm. don't care what mm-hmm. the state says. You know, they, they, don't give a, they don't give a fuck, quite frankly, mm-hmm. what he says and all of that. And yeah, sure. They could have thick skin and not care about it, but there's no reason for them to be subjected to it and for it to be allowed. Because by it being allowed, it is therefore encouraged. You Mm -hmm. get Like you can't be alienating a whole section, basically, like a whole population. And like, for God's sake, bro, these are like your co-headliners. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. can we just respect them at least so that, they're not, they're not subjected to such treatment from somebody that they're sharing a stage with, that they're forced to share a stage with. So, honestly, I understand people like Sean Strickland and they say that, you know, he has a very inspiring story and, you know, he's gone through a lot in his life to get to where he's been. And, you know, he's had even an incredible story, even in MMA, right up to the, how he even got the championship, right? 
that's cool and all, but at the same time, we can't we can't just sit back and condone what he's doing, mm-hmm. right? And kind of just let it slide by because it's not okay. It's mm-hmm. not okay for him to be able to just get away with saying such things. I don't think it's okay. I don't think that there should be space for such things in the world of sports where women are already considered inferior to their male counterparts, right? We don't need we don't need someone who's leading the company to be kind of nonchalant about it. Let me put it like that. Mm-hmm. We don't need we don't need him to be nonchalant about it. There needs to be some sort of addressing of the situation. I guess I'm just trying to keep it very, you know, <laughs> mm. but honestly, I, I, I wasn't happy with that. And I'm not happy about that as a girl, like as a, as a woman, especially as a woman who's in sports, a woman who's in the media space. So yeah, man, I, I just wasn't a fan of it, but I don't know. Maybe I'm being dramatic, but I, I, I just, I don't like it. And honestly, it kind of makes me, it kind of makes it difficult for me to root for Sean Strickland. In any situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You're not being dramatic at all. And I think that people who try to hold the UFC to account about it, continue doing what you're doing because yes. there was our, our good friend at post wrestling, John Pollock, who was actually in attendance and he asked Dana White about whether or not there was a line especially with the comments that Sean made, was there a line that anybody or a line that people needed to be aware of as far as what they can say and what they cannot say. And Dana went back to that tried and true line of free speech. It's free speech. They could say whatever they want. But the thing is, like free speech is mainly focus like within the government and stuff. Like if I went on to my job and I said some of the things that Sean Strickland said, yeah, like, I would be fired. Like I would still have to deal with consequences. Free speech does not mean that you can alienate people and that you can release other people because, and John Pollock mentioned this as well when he was talking to Wei Ting about it is it's like now you have these people in the comments of the videos or the comments of the ex post that has your clip. Now you got people who agree with you and you don't want those people on your side because now these people are the ones who are stirring up hate online about these Mm. particular things. And so as a business, you have to be looking if not at the very least, if you don't care about, the actual feelings of the people in your locker rooms who are going out there and literally putting their lives on the line and then also fall under LGBTQ, that spectrum, like at least do it for the money purposes because before you know it, I'm sure they're going to be sponsors that are going to start seeing this stuff and like, oh, we don't want to be a part of this. And so it's a difference between allowing free speech or, and then also being focused on, Hey, you got to keep it to a certain point because you're messing up the bag. And, and like, and I hate, and I hate that you, yeah, I hate that you have to put it in those terms because you do want people to focus on the humanity and to care about people. But for people like Dana White, it's not going to come to that. It's It's clear that that's not where his headspace is. 
Mm-mm. It's always going to come about the money, about whether this affects our dealings with our sponsors, whether this affects our dealings with what's going to happen with our next TV rights, as far as with either ESPN or any other outlet. So I think that's the only way that change is going to be brought about. So we shall see. I think John Pollock did a tremendous job, continue to put power into account, continue to hold these folks who rarely get put into like uncomfortable positions, continue to put them in a account by just asking about the facts. So good work with what you're doing, John Pollock. We appreciate you around here at the Kings of Sport Network and around here at Spinning Blackfist. So, but yeah, all that to say, yeah. Dana White's tripping and Sean Strickland's yep. tripping. <laughs> so <laughs> we shall see. I think a lot of people were probably happy on Saturday night, not just because they were from South Africa, but because Sean Strickland got his comeuppance. Although people probably wanted him to get beat down a little bit more, <laughs> but we shall see. We shall see if he makes his way back up to the title picture at all. Because again, he was only able to slide into that championship fight against Izzy by an injury with DDP. So we'll see if yeah. if they don't have that rematch where he goes from here. If he has to fight another contender, maybe a, a Jared Cannonier, or maybe another fight with Robert Whitaker before he gets back up to the championship picture. Yeah. Uh, We'll see. We shall see. Can you see also, Alex Pereira? It seems like he's thinking about moving back down to middleweight. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I did not see that. I don't know yeah. why he wants to do that. I know he called out once he won the light heavyweight championship. I know he called out Izzy to come up, but mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he wants to do the champ champ thing and have both belts at the same the time. But we also know, like, some of the struggles. He hasn't missed weight, but it's like with that frame, we all know that he's had trouble with making the weight at 185. He needs to be. Mm hmm. And I think some people say he has a frame for heavyweight, too. Yeah. I think he's also just very intrigued by by the possibility of him facing DDP. Alex seems like the type to to want to face people that he's never faced before. And, mm-hmm. you know, if the titles are there, you know, that's a bonus. But, you know, I'm curious now. Can you beat me, though? Type of yeah. vibe. Yeah, and that'd be interesting to see. Like, he's already, what's the record? He's already beaten, like, three or four either current or former UFC champions. So, yeah. see, maybe notch another one on the belt for him. That might be a good opportunity for him to do that. And especially like right now, light heavyweight is just a jumble right now. So maybe as they get that together, maybe he could take a fight at middleweight. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but that'll put a wrap. Let's put a bow on UFC 297. And let's go ahead and also get into some more comments and some more topics happening around the world of MMA right after this. What's going on, brothers and sisters? It's your man, 50 Grand, the Godfather, Nate Milton. 
I want to thank you for listening to this production of the Kings of Sport Podcast Network. And we're just going to take a little brief pause for the cause really quickly. See, we've been around for 10 years, since 2013. We've been out here on these podcast streets, and we want to keep this thing going. And part of keeping that thing going is by introducing new voices to the network, by introducing new shows to the network, by creating new content on the network. And there's a way that you can help us. Yes, you, listening to this right now. And I know you're saying to yourself, how can I help the Kings of Sport? Well, there's a couple ways you can do that. Way number one, follow us on all of our socials. We talk in Facebook. We talk in Twitter. We talk in YouTube. Hit that subscribe button, and that way you'll be up to date on everything that we drop. Also, share us with your friends. Sharing is caring, and we know y'all care about us. So share the show, share clips from the show, share audio from the show with your friends if you feel like this is something that they'd be interested in. The final way you can help us out here is with the Patreon. Yes, you've heard us say it a million times, and you'll probably hear us say it a million times more. $5 gets you in the door. But if you want to pay more, we won't stop you. It's a free country, baby. Yes, for the cost of a quarter tank of gas, for the cost of a book of stamps, for the cost of a cup of coffee, a very, very small cup of coffee at Starbucks, for the cost of a biggie bag, you can show your love to everybody here working hard at the Kings of Sport. And that enables us to not only produce more content, but also, you know, to get content out in a more timely fashion. So again, we want to thank everybody that's been rocking with us for the past 10 years. And we are so excited to look forward to what is to come. So we thank you so much on behalf of my man, Chris, the professor on behalf of the nephew, Andrew Thompson on behalf of 10 day Ray Williams on behalf of the maestro Chinyere Okafor and on behalf of the silent partner, brother light skin, Marcus Vandenberg. We just thank you. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, let's keep this thing going. Y'all can be down with the Kings. And with that, let's get back to the show. All right. We're back. And again, USC 297 in the books. Let's focus on some of the other things that happened within the past month. And let's also look a bit forward. So we'll go ahead and start off because I know my esteemed co-host, the queen of sport, was very excited to talk about this next subject we're talking about finally. And we mentioned it in the last episode, but we finally have a date. We finally have a place. It's going to be in, I believe, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. We are season. PFL versus Bellator champs. Let's go ahead. As I pull up the graphic, Cheney, what are your first thoughts? I know you wanted to get into something in particular, and it's actually not dealing with any of the champions. But as far as like any of the champions facing against each other, what are some matchups that you are most excited to see? Well, obviously, you know, there's the champions, like those matchups. I think, honestly, this is the perfect way for them to to usher in this collaboration. And 
on this event, we're actually going to see the pro debut of someone we've been waiting for, you know? He's been fighting amateur for a while on the PFL events, and now he's finally going to make his move over to, you know, professional circuit type of vibe. So I'm ready for all of that. And that is Biagio Ali Walsh. That is the grandson of Muhammad Ali. And yeah... We spoke about him on the last episode too, about like how he's been fighting amateur and we're wondering when exactly he's going to fight, you know, pro. And we've been answered one episode later. We have the answer. He is going to be fighting on February 24th in Riyadh. So it's a very stacked card also, hey? Yes, very, very stacked. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we got all the champions facing each other. Unfortunately, for I believe Impa Kasangade and for the heavyweight champion, neither of whom will be facing the person that they called out. <laughs> Francis Ngano will not be on this card just yet. He's going to have some other business to attend. Yeah, indeed, indeed. He'll have some other business to attend to coming up, and we'll get to that as well. But as far as the championship fights, we do have the heavyweight champion of PFL, Hanan Ferreira versus Ryan Bader, who got kind of slighted <laughs> when they were bringing up the uh, PFL card last December, I believe, or last November, I should say, the Black Friday. Yeah. But then we got Impa Kasangane, the middleweight champ for PFL, going against Johnny Eblen, the Bellator champ. We got Magomed, Magomed, oh my goodness, this is a word salad. Magomed, Magomed Karimov yeah. from PFL versus Jason Jackson, who I'm really high on Jason Jackson from formerly the Black Zillions and now Sanford MMA. I believe he's still training out of there. He He's just such a dynamic fighter. Jamaican-born, great fighter. We got, I'm automatically team Jason Jackson then if he's from Jamaica. Let's oh, yeah. Him. Oh, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's really good. He's really good. Jesus Pinedo from PFL versus Patricio Pitbull. That's we got the heavyweight showcase bouts, Bruno Capaloza, former PFL champ versus Vadim Nemkov. Nemkov. Yeah. That's going to be a big foul. Tiago Santos versus Yoel Romero still. And we were talking about people who possibly retiring and then coming back. Yoel, he's old, but he never retired now. <laughs> True. <laughs> so he's still active. Then we have uh, Clay Collard who also fought in November versus AJ McKee. And then the early card, we got a featherweight showcase, Gabrielle Braga versus Aaron Pico. That's going to be fireworks. Aaron Pico, great boxing, great wrestling. We got the aforementioned Biagio Ali Walsh versus Chris Morris. We got Clarissa Shields, the division boxing champion making her return to bellator or to pfl i should say against kelsey desantis we got abdullah al katani versus adukandel rao i apologize if i'm getting that wrong and we got that amateur bout with malik basahel versus vinicius Pereira. Mm. It seems so easy. Yes, very, very much so. Well, 
let's go ahead. Let's let's circle back around to that young Ali, Ali Rumble, Biagi, Biagio, Ali Walsh. So, yes, you did say he is finally making his pro debut. He, he had a stunning finale to his amateur career in November with a big knockout. And now he's facing yeah. up against another debuting pro in Chris Morris. So I know you wanted to touch on this as far as just how this is ushering in the new era of Ali's in combat sports. Of course, we all know about the legendary Muhammad Ali. We all know about his daughter, Layla Ali. But now you have Biagio and you also have Nico in the boxing realm or kind of ushering in that new era. So what are your thoughts on that? I am so excited about all of this, honestly, because, you know, I feel like in MMA, we don't have a lot of dynasties. Let me put it like that. We don't have a lot of, you know, these lineages that run all the way back, right? And this is one of those where we could we could be getting that, guys. We could be really, really getting that. Mm. Obviously, Muhammad Ali was in boxing, but I feel like more than boxing, Muhammad Ali was synonymous with the world of combat sports. He yes. was just combat sports personified. Mm-hmm. And then his daughter went on to, you know, be that girl <laughs> in oh, boxing too. You know, Leila Ali, she was doing her thing. And then, you know, now she stepped away. And of course, we've got Nico Ali Walsh doing boxing also. But now we have, finally, we have an Ali entering the realm of MMA and that's Biagio. I've, I've, I've had the, the pleasure of kind of writing a few articles about Biagio. And I've even transcribed an, like an interview that he did with Amy Kaplan from Fansided MMA. But yeah, man, like he's just super cool. And mm. I think his mind, right? Like the way that he's just been prepping for this for this pro debut has been different. A lot of fighters, you know, they 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 go from their amateur career and they immediately already thinking about, you know, when am I gonna make my, my pro debut and start making money and all of that and all of that. But Biagio took his time on the amateur circuit and he did that on purpose. He said that he wanted to make sure that he was fully ready. And just off of his fights from the past year, I think we can all say that he's ready. Oh, he's ready. Mm. And the fight that he's getting is a perfect fight. You know, he's going up up against somebody who's also making their pro debut. So it's going to be a nice matchup of them both being on the same level, kind of. And yeah, I feel like it's going to be a great period for the MMA world to finally have a person carrying the Ali name into the sport. But mm. yeah, I'm just I'm just super excited about this. I don't know why, but I I really 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 like Biagio. I really do, mm. and I feel like he's gonna be one of the fighters where once I'm a bit old, I'm gonna be like, yo, I remember when Biagio was first starting out, and you know, <laughs> because he's gonna be that big. I mm-hmm. I honestly feel like he's going to be a big star. So yeah, nice. Now, keeping in mind, if you you, you got your hopes of him being a big star, and this might be looking a bit far into the future, but who knows? It could come right away. Do you think that he has the tools to at least continue to work his way up the ranks within Bellator slash PFL? Or do you think that he's going to take his talents onto the UFC? I definitely think the UFC is going to make a play for him at some point. First of all, the name value is Mm -hmm. there, right? But also he's, he's good. 
he's good thus far. Obviously, he's only about to start his professional career, but from what we've seen in his amateur career, which we've been, it's very odd because usually we don't get to see these fighters in their amateur careers, but for him, we've been seeing him, you know, because PFL has, has really been highlighting him. But I think he is definitely going to push up in the PFL space. And I feel like that's the perfect space for him to grow because they're not, as you can see with PFL, they weren't really rushing to get him to his pro career. Mm-hmm. They kind of went with the flow also and kind of just let him settle into being a fighter. And because he had, he was a footballer before. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think PFL is the perfect place for him to stay at. And I could definitely see him becoming a champion there and then like going on to do great things there. And he could even become one of those fighters who, you know, when like we talk about these great fighters who never set foot in a UFC octagon. I feel like he might just be one of those, but I definitely, definitely think that the UFC is going to make a play for him at some point. Mm-hmm. And then seeing, considering like he's so young too, just 25, like he has a lot of room to grow and it'd be mm-hmm. interesting to see like with him with a bit more stiffer competition. Again, he's got to get past this fight for his debut first. And then once he gets past it, and I think, if you've been watching, if you've been keeping up with Bellator a bit more, it's kind of a similar similar situation that Aaron Pico was kind of put in a few years back. Again, didn't have the name value as far as attributed to a legend such as Muhammad Ali, but a lot of people were kind of high on him being an mm. up-and-comer as far as like having a great wrestling pre- pedigree and also some good boxing training as well. I believe he was a gold gold gloves winner as well. But then, and then like he was putting everything together with the amateur circuit and we, he was able to get wins earlier in his career until he kind of took like a little bit of a stumbling block. But now you're seeing that he's starting to kind of help this career grow with more and more wins now so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Biagio if he's able to continue to weather the storm especially against more stiffer competition as he mm-hmm. goes higher and higher up in the ranks and it'll be interesting to see just the parallel that he has with his brother as well as far as like how where's Nico going to be in like his similar road to success when it comes yeah. to the uh, boxing realm and which brings up a good question in my mind do you think that and i know neither one is easy but do you think nico has maybe a simpler path to the top within boxing or do you think biagio might have a simpler path with mma oh that's a very good question actually damn <laughs> <laughs> I, I think i think biagio might have a, a a simpler path mm-hmm. just because he's in MMA. The Ali family has been in boxing. So for Nico, he has to live up to that expectation. Whereas for Biagio, he's kind of setting his own path mm-hmm. um, in a completely different sport. So I think just for that, I would say Biagio would probably have an easier path, probably. Yeah, I think I'd say that. Okay. What, what do you think, though? What do you think? I would tend to agree. I, I, I think, especially with boxing, you know how, it, especially first starting out, you got to have at least 15, 20 fights under your belt and you better be undefeated or else like you're going to go right to the bottom of the list or right to the bottom of the pile. I think Nico has been accounting for himself well so far. 
but mm-hmm. I, I do think, and especially with the different organizations, it's kind of tougher to get an international recognition. I mean, it'll be a bit easier for him with that last name, but I think, and like you said, it's going to be so much more pressure to excel yeah. in a sport in which your grandfather is literally called the greatest. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like you said, I think for Biagio, I think it'll be a, a bit easier path to navigate, especially considering that again, like you said, he's kind of forging his own path away from like all the glitz and glamour from boxing. So I think that it'll be interesting to see both of their careers play out and just seeing that parallel as far as like, they're both doing it at the same time and where we see them both in like five years, as far as the accomplishments or the accomplishments that they have in the sport. So we shall see. All right. Move on. Unless there's anything else you wanted to touch on with PFL versus Bellator. Oh, the press conference, this, the press conference is this Wednesday. I'm sure by the time this goes out, it would have been already it would have already happened. But mm-hmm. I'm so excited to see. And I'm sure there's gonna be some questions about Francis Nganu, Jake Paul, you know, to see mm-hmm. whether are they gonna be debuting anytime the Oh, we shall see. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I think it's gonna be, it's gonna be a great it's gonna be a very informative press conference. And there's a lot of people at that press conference, like a lot, like almost all of those champions that are fighting are going to be there mm. and, and then some. so it's going to be stacked. I'm, I'm wondering if it's going to be like, you know, you remember those classic UFC press conferences where they used to have like the two rows and everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they do something like that. Cause it's a lot of people. <laughs> oh yeah. But, yeah. So I'm just looking forward to that. And then one month from then we are going to be on our way to Riyadh on our way virtually mentally. Yes. <laughs> all right well you're such a professional such a professional uh chenieri of course you are the queen of sport you are the maestro and without even knowing it you get us into a beautiful transition because we are going to bring up one of those possible pfl fighters to debut and like we said earlier is a very very busy man and we're talking about one Francis Ngannou, it was announced that he will, in fact, be facing Anthony Joshua, one of the pound-for-pound heavyweight kings. Although he may not have the belt, he's still considered one of the top heavyweights in the world right now. And of our past, like, 10 years, consider one of the best heavyweights. So what do you think about that fight taking place? And is there a possibility that our boy might shock the world and might finally get it done officially. He got it done unofficially against Tyson Fury. Do you think he has a chance of getting it done officially against Anthony Joshua? Think so. So going into the first fight against Tyson Fury, I was kind of one of the people who was a bit apprehensive and I was like, Oh my God, Francis, what are you doing? You know, I was kind of like, no, don't do this. But I, I have a lot of faith now, right? After seeing what he can do. And, you know, he's that guy. So I'm like, you know what, Nate? He, he might actually do it. I am going with him. Like, if I had to put money on it, I would go with Francis Ngannou. 
also Anthony Joshua hasn't been having the best like few years I think maybe like in the last say two years or so it's been a bit rough on him so I think he's definitely here to prove a point Anthony Joshua that is I think he's definitely here to prove a point but Francis Ngannou is that guy and I feel like this is the fight that's gonna define him and define his entire thing basically but mm-hmm. also can we just take a moment and think about where we were last year at this time when everyone was <laughs> Panicking about mm. Francis Ngannou. Francis, what are you doing? Why are you letting go of the UFC? What's going to happen mm-hmm. with you? Now, Bumble fast forward a year later, mm-hmm. he's the most wanted man in combat sports. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah. But I don't know. Who would you go with? Who are you going with on the night? Well, first of all, always bet on yourselves, kids. Listen to Francis Ngannou. They tell you, they tell you, oh, you fumbled the bag. Oh, you you can't do it outside of UFC. Oh, believe in yourselves, kids. Anything is possible, like like my guy Kevin Garnett said. But yeah, I think, man, it's a tough one because on the one hand, I feel as though, of course, Ngannou has the power to drop anybody. (laughs) So I, I I think like if you put him in there with a rhino, you give him one clean shot. I think he could take down the rhino. <laughs> exactly. But I think on the other hand, I think Joshua is going to take this a lot more seriously than Tyson Fury did. I think that because it was a non-title exhibition style fight, I think Tyson Fury was going into the point of like, oh. Let me go ahead and make this money. I'm gonna pick him apart. I'm gonna dance around him, and then because I mean, he even disrespected him by booking another match before their match even happened. Exactly, exactly. Like so, I think he was already looking past Ngannou. And although everyone respects the power of Ngannou, I just feel like Tyson said, "Hey, I'll I'll box him. I faced plenty of people with power before. I faced Deontay Wilder, who's like one mm-hmm. of the most powerful men to ever fight in our division. And so it's like I, I could dance around him. I could avoid him. I could toy with him, and then I could put him away. I think that was what the mindset of Tyson Fury was going into the fight. And I think that he got a rude awakening. He got a rude awakening by almost being put to in sleep. Public. So I think Joshua is kind of paying attention to that and knowing I can't take this guy lightly. I got to stay on my P's and Q's. Joshua is a person who did suffer a big upset himself by getting dropped by, I believe it was Daniel Ortiz who put him down and and again, looking at the physiques of Ortiz and looking at the physiques of Joshua, you didn't think that that would be able to ha- happen. But if you have enough skill and you're able to find that chin, that anything is possible in the world, especially in the world of heavyweight boxing. So I think Joshua has tasted defeat by overlooking an opponent before. I think he's not going to make that same mistake again. I think it is going to be a challenge for him. And although as much as I want Nganu to, again, rise to an occasion, I feel like although it's going to be a tough fight, I think that Anthony Joshua has all the tools to put it out. We shall see. I think and in the 
article that I pulled up as you were speaking, they said the winner might possibly face the the winner of Usyk and Fury. And again, that is, like you said, very disrespectful for him to not even think about the fight, but have a championship fight already made, like waiting in the wings for Tyson Fury. So now I think if Ngannou's able to get past Joshua and Tyson's able to get past (laughs) Usyk, like, oh, it's going to be just... No save. Yeah, it's just going to be... I think the hype is going to be 10 times the amount that it was for this past fight because now people believe that Ngano, they already think he unofficially won that fight anyway. Yeah. And then even if they don't think that he won the fight, they feel like, oh, well, he dropped him once, he could drop him again. So I think step by step for Francis, I think he's got to go into this fight focusing on Anthony Joshua and also like Joshua and Fury are kind of different styles. Like both like to play with their range a little bit with the jab and being taller boxers. So I think those commonalities might play a bit in the favor of Nganu, but as far as like the physical techniques and stuff, I think that they're different as far as Joshua. He, he has the power to drop you as well. I think Fury, he'll play with you. Like he does have some power, but not like crucial knockout power unless it gets like later in the rounds. So yeah, I I, I think that Engano does have to be very very careful with trying to come in on Joshua because Joshua can lay you out within like the first three rounds if if you leave yourself open to it. So. Yeah, but I, if you I, had to make a if you had to make an early prediction, who would you who would you go with right now? I got Joshua. I got Joshua, possibly. Ooh, yeah, it's a battle. I, it's a battle here on the spinning black fist, people. Yeah, I I mean I hate I hate to be for on especially with us being an MMA podcast. Like I, I always root for our guys and. I would love for Ngannou to win. I just think that Joshua has Joshua's going to come with a different level to him. Nah, I see that. I see that. Definitely. Now you're scaring me, but I'm still going to... I'm going (laughs) to... I am going to will Francis Ngannou into winning that match. Stick stick with your pick. Don't mind me. (laughs) Don't mind me. Stick with your fellow African. (laughs) Your African brethren. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see that fight happening. And, man... Saudi Arabia, man. I mean, you, you can talk about some of the atrocities and stuff. I mean, all the sports washing or the the reputation laundering that they do. But then they, they, they're getting out these fights, man. When it comes to either the PFL versus Bellator or when it comes to Nganu and Nganu. And is it going to be is it going to be in the UAE or is it going to be in Saudi Arabia? Let me see. Ngannou and Joshua. Mm-hmm. Or is it going to be somewhere else? Or did they decide? Yep, it will be in It will be in Saudi Arabia three weeks after WBO, IBF, and WBA bell holder Alexander Usyk fights WBC titleist Tyson Fury in Riyadh on March 8th. 
Anthony Joshua, the two-time heavyweight world champion, will face former UFC heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou in Saudi Arabia. So, yeah, I mean, they, they're they putting the money up, and they're, they're getting all yeah. these big fights. And especially yeah, not to mention... Yeah, not to mention USC and not to mention, of course, WWE and their relationship with mm. uh, the Saudi government. It's like they, combat sports is really creating quite, like, quite foothold. That's the word, yeah. Quite True. a foothold within the Saudi Arabia country. So um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Matter of fact, I, I want to be sure that they get the Drickers versus Israel fight if they take that away from us. All right, so if, if not, so South Africa, that's the main place, but then if not, then Saudi, <laughs> that, that's your <laughs> ranking list? I mean, I just want it here on the African continent somehow so I can, like, channel it. Even if it's all the way in Nigeria, I will absorb the energy, but, you know, Saudi Arabia is just gathering all of these events they're like bring it bring it here bring it here so mm -hmm. i wouldn't be shocked i wouldn't be shocked if they're like bring it here mm -hmm. i actually wouldn't have been shocked if they announced ufc 300 was going to be in saudi arabia <laughs> like a really dead ass yeah because, mm -hmm. like you said saudi arabia is really trying to take over and combat sports is where it's at for saudi arabia it seems so yeah and it's still a new relationship between the UFC and Saudi. So UFC mm. might have been like, you know, let's impress you by bringing our biggest event of the year. And yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. I think we talked about that last episode as far as is Saudi kind of taking that moniker away from Las Vegas as being the fight capital of the world. I mean, it's, it, it's kind of easier to make an argument now especially with all, all the fights going over there, not just in MMA, but in boxing as well. So who knows? There might be a shift coming around the corner. So we shall see. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on. We did have at least one more topic that we wanted to touch on, and that is the induction of Frankie Edgar, former UFC lightweight champion, into the Hall of Fame for the UFC. First off, I know he's he started fighting pretty early, and I know I I'm an old I'm an old guy, so I, I remember back then. But did you have any like thoughts of Frankie Edgar? Have you watched him fight? I know he fought up until 2022, and he ended up retiring in 2022. So, yeah. what are your thoughts on uh, Frankie Edgar? So I caught. Freddie, Frankie Edgar, sorry, like in the back end of his career, kind mm -hmm. of like when things weren't going as well as they once did. So I'm just part of that generation, I guess. But, but one thing that I've always known, though, is that Frankie Edgar is one of the, you know, the living legends that we've still got in the MMA community. Mm -hmm. He's one of those people who helped the UFC become what it is, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And helped MMA grow type of thing. So, you know, like on Saturday when I saw, when I saw like the, the visuals of him being, like them announcing that he's going to be inducted and then him getting emotional, oh man, I was just like, you know what, nah, he deserves this. He deserves it. It's very difficult, I think, for a lot of fighters to let go because, you know, this is the thing that they used to and all of that. And then... For them to also be able to get their flowers whilst they still are on this earth is totally a great thing. 
And so I'm just here for it, hey? I'm just here for it. And I'm trying to get myself more into the habit of like whenever these fighters are getting highlighted, especially, I go back and I watch their matches and, you know, just so that I can also know a bit more and refresh myself a little bit more, which is, it's kind of the downside of being a young person, I guess, in combat sports where there's this, oh, there's all of this history that everyone else has that you don't really have. But it's definitely something that I think is worth me catching up to and any other youngin who might, you know, because we know that Frankie Edgar is a big deal. But it's just a matter of, you know, we need to maybe experience that in, in a way that feels real, in a way that feels live and not just through, you know, the memories and the nostalgia of it all. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, go ahead. You guys, if you have access to UFC Fight Pass, go ahead because that that guy, like you said, he's a living legend. I was able to kind of watch when you were talking about wanting to be that person for Biagio Ali Walsh. I'm kind of that person for <laughs> Frankie Edgar, that. just, just seeing his career develop. And although I wasn't like, like a stand for him, like I was a pretty big fan of his and just seeing his rise throughout. And he was actually considered, I think he started in like the welterweight division, if you can imagine that. And then he was able to go down to the 155 pound division and mm-hmm. just just create his own style. His his boxing was so smooth and, and, and he was able to flow and kind of connect his boxing with his wrestling. And he, he was just so fast as well. And, and he had power in his hands as well. There, there was a time leading up to his championship run as though people thought, oh, well, all of his fights go to decisions. He doesn't have any knockout power or he 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 doesn't have any dynamic parts of his game in order to finish a fight before the end of the three rounds or the five rounds but then yeah you know he started showing his, his dynamic boxing and the speed with his boxing and again linking his boxing with his wrestling ability i believe he was an all-american in college in wrestling and so it, it is and then just the fights that he had in the past, of course, if you want to go back and watch some of his fights with BJ Penn, who was considered like unstoppable back then, especially within the lightweight division and how yeah. Frankie Edgar was just able to pick him apart. If you want to go to his fights with Benson Henderson, of course, how I really became a huge fan of his was with his trilogy with Gray Maynard and just like the back and forth, like those, if you don't watch any other fights, watch his second fight. Yes. His second fight with great, both of his championship fights with Gray Maynard. And I'm telling you, if you don't think, if you don't know who he is and you're wondering why he's not, why he's being inducted into the hall of fame, go watch those two fights and you will understand completely why he's being inducted into the Hall of Fame. So congratulations to Frank Edgar. And he mentioned in post-fight press conference that he he normally doesn't like to stroke his own ego or stroke himself. And then he, he kind of took a chuckle at the choice of words. And he's a very humble man, very humble man, always nose to the grindstone, get the work done. But I'm glad to see as you mentioned before, him getting his flowers while he's still here. So with that being said, is there anything else 
you wanted to touch on Chi Chi. I have a question for you, Ray. Oh, go ahead. Um, go right ahead. Tell me whether you think this is a fluke or not. Oh, Conor McGregor returns in 2024. Uh, oh, jeez. Are we? Oh, so we're doing like a, a likely or unlikely if it's. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's the thing because he was supposed to have come back in December, and then like he he put this thing on Instagram with this whole diabolical laugh, like fight me at middleweight. <laughs> I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> Does he fight any time this year, or is it a fluke? I'm gonna go ahead and say he does. I, I'll go ahead and say likely. I think he mm-hmm. will fight. The question is, will he fight Michael Chandler? Because I don't know if Michael Chandler wants to wait that long or <laughs> or maybe he's just figuring, hey, I'll wait as long as I can for the bag, as much money as I can get. I know Connor's the money fight. That way, once we had the fight signed, sealed, delivered, and it's all inked up on the contract, we can have a red panty night as – Connor like <laughs> of course and you know we'll, we'll, we'll be on we'll be on and pop it so we'll see we'll i think i think it will happen this year yeah. um i think i think it happen. has to yeah otherwise like michael chandler needs to move on because i can see yeah. that michael chandler is, is waiting for conor mcgregor but now that means that he's not being active so mm-hmm. And the thing with Michael Chandler, the difference between him and Connor is that I don't think Connor is going to be in the championship picture at any yeah. weight class in the foreseeable future. Michael Chandler still has a chance to be a champion. And so anybody still wants to be. Yeah. And so his window, like his window is closing ever so slightly the more and more time that he's not in a fight or not in a training camp. So um, I think, again, he'll wait for the bag, but I think he also feels as though, hey, my window for becoming a champion is getting, like, closing, like, Mm. little by little every single day. And if this guy, McGregor, doesn't want to get in there and face me, then I got to keep it moving. So we'll we'll see. What do you you think? Does he fight? Does he fight this year? Honestly, I hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like Connor. Connor's the reason why I got into MMA because you mm-hmm. know he's got a lot of trash talking, which is something that I love because I'm a wrestling fan. But honestly, I think Connor's pretty much done. I think he's trolling us. I won't even. Yeah. Know. I think he's trolling us. I don't see him fighting. If he does fight, I'd be happy. I, I do want to see him come back, right, and have a. Because, you know, it's been a while since we had a Conor McGregor fight night. Because, I don't know, there's just a different energy to a Conor McGregor fight night. Mm. But I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't fight. So I'm not holding my breath for the fight, is what I'm saying. For him returning yeah. this year. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, don't. Uh, you'll, you'll pass out like three months in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, we're in agreement on there. Yeah. And, yep, as far as that's concerned, yeah, we. I don't think... I don't think he's going to come back relatively soon. If he does come back, it'll probably be towards the end of the year. So we'll see. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we have come to the end of another installment, our second installment 
of the Spinning Black Fist podcast. Before we close it out, Chi-Chi, go ahead and tell them where they can find you. Tell them where they can read all of your good written works. Tell them if there's anything else coming up for you that you want to plug as far as if it's in the podcasting space or working in any other capacity. Let them know. Ooh, okay. The name is Chingere Okafo. You guys can call me Chi-Chi because, you know, we're friends now. But mm-hmm. you can find me on Instagram as well as on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Chingere Okafo underscore. That's at C-H-I-N-Y-E-R-E-O-K-A-F-O-R underscore. And, you know, I'm writing for three sides. That's fan-sided MMA. That's No Smoke Sport as well as Lost Word on Pro Wrestling. So, you know, I'm everywhere. But now I have something new to plug, guys, which is a lot of fun for me. I'm very nervous. But I'm hoping that you guys can join me along for this journey, you know, where I I have started my own YouTube channel and I am dropping my first interview very, very soon. Yeah. So it's called Chi-Chi's Combat Corner or Triple C. So that's what's up, guys. It's all about, you know, combat sports, MMA, wrestling, boxing, Muay Thai, karate, whatever. <laughs> anything, I swear to God, anything is going to be on there. I am trying to do a lot more interviews on there, but... You know, maybe when I start being shy and stuff, I might, you know, give a young, you know, live event recap or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? So, yeah, please go check it out on YouTube. Chi-Chi's Combat Corner. Yeah. But other than that, find me on social media. And there's my link tree there. So you can check out all my work, including my YouTube there. And thank you, guys. Over to you, Ray. All right. And if you... I don't know if this is going up on the Kings of Sport YouTube or if it's going up in video form, but if you can't see, I don't, I'm about to subscribe right now. Chi Chi's Combat Corner. Get up in there. That's I'm about the to hit one. that subscribe button. There we go. Boom. Go ahead. Let's go ahead. Let's support. Let's support our folks who are doing good work in the space, especially within the Afrocentric point of views, especially. We're doing good work. Good, good work. That's great to hear, Chi-Chi. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. You know, those ideas have been in the pipeline for like how many years? I think I started (laughs) thinking about it when I went beginning of 2020, right before the pandemic. And Mm. I've been shy to do it. But I'm finally doing it. I've been bullied enough. And so now I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. I'm starting my YouTube channel. (laughs) Well, we we look forward to all the good content that's going to come up. You might be the next Andrew Thompson interviews as far as like an MMA on on the MMA side. You're going to have you're going to have your MMA interviews blowing up just like his. But shout out, AD. Shout out, shout out. And another beautiful transition as we go ahead and get into my plugs. Shout out to Andrew Thompson. Shout out to the professor, Chris Ely. Shout out to the brother, good brother, godfather, Nate Milton. We Mm. just had the NWA podcast last night, New Year's Rockin', where we're talking about a whole bunch of different topics, including a possible return of The Rock, including Kazuchika Okada. Will he stay? Rainmaker. Mm, yeah, we, we're talking about all different types of stuff, and we gave our Royal Rumble predictions. So if you're in or if you're into pro wrestling, then please go ahead, like and subscribe for the good folks at Post Wrestling. 
and go ahead and look for the NWA podcast where I have now been officially crowned as the producer. Now I, I was given the keys, the keys of the kingdom by, by master Wei Ting himself. So I Let's appreciate go. it. <laughs> Thank you. That's a big move right there, guys. Yeah, I, I'm in. trying. I'm trying. You're not the only one trying to make big moves, Chi Chi. I'm trying to get out here. I, I'm trying to be low. I'm trying to, you know what they say, uh, real G's move in silence like lasagna. I'm trying. I'm, you know, I'll, I'm not big into being all loud and boastful about my about my accomplishments, but I, I'm trying to do my best for the good folks at the NWA podcast and for posts. I appreciate the support and I appreciate the trust that they're putting in me. So I'm going to do my best and I'm going to work my hardest to make sure that they grow as much as possible. And speaking on making things grow as much as possible, we're also going to link that back to the mothership here, Kings of Sport. Patreon, please, if you can support, please support. Like we say, hey, Starbucks Venti Latte costs you more than $5. Sacrifice one latte. Sacrifice one biggie bag from Wendy's. Sacrifice one Craven's meal from Taco Bell, if you're like me, for one day. And you'll have a whole month's of content, whole month's worth of content on the Kings of Sport podcast. Again, $5 gets you in the door. As Brother Nate likes to say, if you want to spend more, we won't stop you. All right. Exactly. We appreciate your support. Personally, go ahead and follow me if you want. I, I do some rants and ravings about professional wrestling and about combat sports and other sports as well on my ex, my, my Twitter page at Mondo Donda one also at Mondo Donda one on Instagram as well. And I also have a YouTube page. I had it for a while, but I just dink and dunk different things in there. So if you want to go ahead and follow me on my personal YouTube page, I'm at Ray will 2007. I need to change that as soon as possible. <laughs> I think one, I think they say once I get to a hundred subscribers, then I'll be able to change my name. So please help me get to 100. I'm at 32 right now. <laughs> and I'm trying to, I'm trying to put up more content, more new and original content up there as well. So with that being said, we thank you all for joining us right here on the Kings of Sports Network. I'm Raimondo Williams. I'm Chi-Chi. And we thank you for joining us again on another installment of the, or not the Kings of Sport, <laughs> of the Spinning Black Fist podcast. We thank you so very, very much. And until next time, good fight, good night. Take care.